1: So many people come to me and they're like, I've just spoken to this guy and he said I need 10 to 20 properties and I'm like, why? What's your goal? And They're like, 100k per year in passive income and I'm like, four properties in the next three years, hold them for 15 years and you'll achieve your goal.
0: This is Property Investry where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode on property investing, we continue the conversation with buyer's agent, Ben Everingham who advises to people that ultimately, property investing shouldn't be complicated even when buying the ugly duckling for his portfolio. Initially, Everingham had to overcome things like fear of failure. And fear of success in order to move forward in his property investing journey.
1: I think um, an investor lives and dies by um, like the internal belief systems and values in their mind. So I've had to overcome the same things that I think every investor has to overcome, you know that's a fear of failure and then after you get over that fear of failure like a fear of success and actually, oh shit I've achieved what I wanted to achieve, now what? And that actually took me a long time to come to terms with that, you know, things were getting better in my life and, um, you know, redefining myself once I'd, I'd, I'd achieved all those goals that I set out to achieve when I was younger. Um, you know, like the same things that plague every investor the information overload and um, the different types of strategies and different opinions and all of the noise in the industry um, and, you know, taking the different pieces of each of those strategies and actually defining something for myself that, was in line with my personal risk profile and thoughts on investing. So, you know, I've had to overcome those things and then at different times not having the right mentors or coaches around me, you know, feeling isolated and pretty lonely to be honest with you because I didn't have a lot of people to connect with um, that were at the same, you know, stage of life in terms of their investment journey. So I think they're things that almost every investor comes through and I wouldn't say I've overcome everything, you know, there's still so many times that I wake up going, holy hell, I'm in like a fair bit of debt right now. Or, um, you know, is the whole world going to fall on its head today when you see a couple of bad articles. But then, you know, to get past that stuff, I just remember that my long-term objective isn't about year on year returns. It's about consistency over time and there will be good times and there will be bad times. Um, And to just not buy into the hype that's happening around me based on, you know, only two things, sell papers and, that's boom or bust and so if one's not selling it, the other one is and it's it's easy to get caught up on that stuff if you don't have a consistent long-term vision and plan for yourself.
0: As he wasn't able to connect with the people in his immediate circle of friends, he focused on learning from the most successful individuals in the industry.
1: I've done a lot of the things that a lot of other people in the industry initially turned to. Like I went to what I thought were awesome educational nights and turned out to be property marketers and scroopers and financial planners that weren't financially independent just flogging me crap. You know, I've gone to the nights where the accounts and the solicitors get involved and they're also trying to flog you rubbish that you don't need. Um, I've gone to a lot of the seminars and the big events, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, a lot of the people that you've had on your show and that everybody um, knows in the industry. Um, And I've listened to their DVD programs and I listened to their podcasts. Um, I've also read a lot of the books like, you know, about three years ago, what I did was I looked at every one of the top wealthy or the wealthiest hundred property investors of all time and the hundred wealthiest, um, you know, traders, I suppose, if you want to call it, whether that's in bonds, commodities, or stocks. And then I looked at every single one of those 100 wealthiest people um, and I bought a book. If any one of those people had read a book, I bought it. So I ended up buying about 65 books and just reading those over the last three-year period, um, you know, because I'm like, if you're going to be the best, you've got to model the best of the best. Um, so, you know, I suppose I didn't really have direct people in my life until my previous job, Um but yeah, those those books, podcasts and all of those sorts of things were, were a big helping hand for a long period of time in my journey.
0: Some of these resources include books by Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins and Paul Colleo.
1: I really enjoyed Rich Dad, Poor Dad for the people that are just getting started. Um, I actually just finished Tony Robbins' new book, um, Un- Unbreakable, which is a condensed version of the book that he wrote last year about money mastery. And I actually found it to be one of the, the better financial books that I've read, you know, for an easy, for a person to digest. So I just finished that one um, on, the, on the way down and back on the weekend to Melbourne for a mate's wedding. Um, what else have I really liked? Uh, you know, from a property investment perspective, there's probably not a hell of a lot of others that have had a huge impact on me. A lot of the share trading and investing books have because I think those guys are a lot smarter and a lot more sophisticated than the average Australian Property Investor or spruiker. Um You know I, I kind of like um, a, a couple of books that are a bit outside the genre like for example The Richest Man in Babylon and, and The Alchemist um, and, and those types of things as well like a lot of that more motivational or mindset related stuff.
0: Everingham has taken the knowledge he has learned from these resources and applied them to develop his own successful strategy.
1: I think the best advice as I've gotten older is Warren Buffett's which is be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Everything that I've been reading in the last couple of years has been related to markets and patterns over time globally and and the effect that it has on the local marketplace so um, you know my strategy has changed dramatically from just buying whenever I had enough money to buy to buying very strategically at certain times in the market and I know I've only been investing for seven years so I haven't been through even half of a full cycle yet but um, you know, that's, that's been very important to me which is the reason why as a buyer's agent I stopped buying in Sydney for our clients a couple of years ago and transferred our focus to the Brisbane marketplace which is just starting to get some great results now.
0: He also believes that the market has changed dramatically from what it used to be 10 to 20 years ago. In order to achieve financial independence, a different kind of strategy is needed.
1: Unfortunately, you know, with only 1% of Australians um, owning more than five investment properties, there's not a lot of people that you can actually turn to that have have been there and done it. There's plenty of people that talk crap about doing it, but there's not many people that have really achieved financial independence through property investing. And a lot of the people that are currently in the industry, you know, haven't really done anything since the 80s or the 90s, which was when you know, properties doubled every seven years so you didn't really have to do anything back then. You could just sort of buy and then hold and and you'd be a millionaire where today, you know, returns aren't guaranteed. It's a lot more competitive and, you know, markets just don't do the consistent things that they used to do so you've got to be more sophisticated in terms of your strategy to get the same results.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that and I agree to a certain extent. I mean, I guess I'm I'm going to challenge some of that as well. Is why? Why do you think at this point in time it's harder in this particular market compared compared to previously? Yeah,
1: you know I think in the in the in the good old days of investing in anything, you know, the, the the common or the mindset was that property prices double every seven years. You know, worst case scenario they double every ten years, and I just don't think that's true anymore. Like Sydney and Melbourne have gone through a great wave of growth; most suburbs growing between forty and eighty percent in the last five years. Um. you know, the story that people aren't telling is the 10 years of completely flat property values that Sydney had before that. So, I just don't think those old things ring true anymore.
0: And what type of forecasting does Everingham do for his own portfolio?
1: When I'm forecasting personally for my own portfolio, I do my assumptions that Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane will only do 4% capital growth per annum for the next 20 years. Like, wages have not increased in line with property values and so... Um, I know it's an international marketplace now, particularly Sydney and Melbourne, which means local incomes don't matter as much. But you know, when the correction does come, there's going to be a lot of people that are significantly overexposed. From you know, my perspective, and that you know, that's from talking to eight or nine hundred investors every single year and intimately understanding their situation. I just read a really good report you know, based on the top 20 global cities um, that, you know, billionaires and multimillionaires around the world want to invest in and I think Sydney was ranked number 10 or 11. From an international perspective, Sydney and Melbourne are very affordable for the lifestyle and the security that they provide wealthy people. So internationally, I don't think there's any problem with the pricing in the market. My thoughts on the market there at the moment and I don't believe there's going to be a major crash or correction. I, I, In fact, I think... By the time this cycle's over and actually peaks out before the next proper land price-led recession, um, prices are going to be significantly higher than they are today and in seven or eight years' time from now we'll be going, crap, I can't believe you could buy that in Bankstown for 600K or whatever it is that you're buying there today. So I don't think, you know, I'm not necessarily like doom and Gloom and saying that the whole thing's going to fall on its head immediately. I'm just concerned when, you know, Bankstown, for example, you know, the average income in the suburbs, $1,000 a week, but property prices are $800,000 to a million bucks. It's just, it's, we're in uncharted territory in terms of averages over, over the last 50 years, if you look at the true data, and that, that's concerning to me when the average person can't buy the average property longer term, it's got to have an effect on supply and demand at some point or another.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Everingham's property investing strategy.
1: Number one thing is timing the market so I do not buy someone else's profit and that's why I haven't been touching Sydney or Melbourne for a while now.
0: The biggest mistake he believes many investors make when purchasing property and how to avoid this.
1: It's literally people get bored and people want to tinker and people want to overcomplicate very simple things.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. It took some time for Everingham to develop his property investing strategy as he didn't fully understand the market value of the properties he was considering.
1: When I first started buying property, I wish I could say there was a strategy behind it (laughs) Um, but the reality was I knew I wanted to buy property. I didn't know, you know, I was in that stage where I didn't know what I didn't know as an investor and that's a very dangerous stage. One, you made decisions you know, based on third-party advice that might not be in your best interest. For example, at that time in my life, if the mortgage broker was prepared to get me the money, I was prepared to spend it was my, my attitude and mentality. What I was very lucky to time was that the years that I finished university was the middle slash end of the GFC and the market was tough for certain people and, you know, people were still scared and not buying stuff. But because I hadn't been to a cycle, you know, I went on a buying rampage and effectively every time I had a 5% deposit when I bought another property in, you know, Sydney or the Central Coast or Brisbane. And so, you know, at that time I didn't really have a strategy. I knew that high quality property in good areas close to the beach or close to the city was what I wanted, but that was about as far as it went. Um, You know, my my scope for identifying suburbs at the time was pretty much limited to buying a Residex report, doing a couple of, having a look at a couple of numbers, talking to a couple of local agents, looking on realestate.com and then buying something, it was very, very basic.
0: Over time, his strategy has evolved from purchasing the ugly duckling to timing the market and investing in properties with good capital growth.
1: I was looking for suburbs that had a predicted average annual price growth for the next eight years in a Resodex report of over 6% per annum. And then at that time I was looking for a rental vacancy rate in the suburb below 2% because I knew that represented an undersupply of property for rent. Um, And then at the time, what I thought represented value, which has changed dramatically now, was the cheapest property in the worst condition in a good suburb. So I, I thought that value shopping meant buying cheap and buying something that no one else wanted to touch. But I now realise that you know buying cheap can sometimes mean that you lose you know one potentially even two percent capital growth per annum over a longer term period of time. So that was my strategy: just you know buy the really ugly ducklings, buy them off people that were just in a distressed state, like divorces um, you know, very ugly properties or deceased estates and um to be pretty aggressive with um you know trying to buy something that I thought was below market value, which in real terms the agents would have been laughing seeing me coming because, you know, market value is whatever someone's prepared to pay and I didn't have access to the sales history data at that time so I actually had no idea what market value
0: and how does this strategy differ from other investors?
1: My strategy is Super simple. Like I kind of got to in the previous episode, it's number one thing is timing the market. So I do not buy someone else's profit. And that's why I'm, I haven't been touching Sydney or Melbourne for a while now. I like to buy at the rising stage of the property market in Sydney, Melbourne, or Brisbane. Um, I definitely would never go, you know, when it's top, top of market, I would never be buying um, property. I'd be very cautious for most of, you know, if there's a 14 to 18 year property cycle at play. Um, I'll be very, very cautious, you know, from about three to four years from now, um, as to probably not buying any property for quite a period of time and waiting, um, you know, until the bottom of the next market to get back in. Uh, On top of timing, you know, consistent average capital growth is very important. As I said, you get that in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, either very close to the CBD and premium suburbs or on the beaches. And then I like to buy the property where I can add value as well. So whether that's buying a very cheap piece of land and getting a build for a discount or um, buying a three-bedroom, one-bathroom home, converting it into a four-bedroom, two-bathroom home and then renovating it or you know, doing both of those things and then adding a granny flat. I'm a very, very active investor and my wife's an interior designer. So between the two of us, you know, I buy well, she adds value and then I sell well.
0: That's a very good team to be.
1: It just it just helps. It's complementary, if you know what I mean. Um, and the you know the best teams are people that are complete opposites because you kind of fill in the weaknesses of the other person. So you know that's kind of my strategy. You know, time the market, buy for capital growth, add value to everything that I buy, and then you know, like I said, I like cash flow. But there's so many things that I now overlay when I'm buying. You know, literally, actually, three hundred things by the time I physically inspect a property that I've checked off, and if You know, at least 40 of those things aren't in alignment with my current strategy, it's an immediate no. So instead of trying to buy property like most investors do, I try and eliminate properties out of the market so that only leaves me with a handful of options every 12 months that I would seriously, seriously consider for myself.
0: Creating a checklist of things to look for in a property is something that he believes every investor should do. As they could avoid making simple mistakes.
1: I think the average investor, by making the decision that they make on the average property, probably costs themselves between 100 and 150 grand in capital gains over 12, over 10 years. Sorry. Um, I just think people make big mistakes that they could avoid by, you know, listening to people like yourself um, and the people that you bring onto your shows or, or doing better research. Like they spend so much time looking at the fluffy stuff and not enough time looking at the hard how to identify the right properties, how to identify the right market, how to identify timing, you know, those more sophisticated things that everybody that has had to stretch further.
0: What's a personal habit which has contributed to Everingham's success? For him, it comes down to his passion for property.
1: I'm obsessive about property, like I can't help it. It's my passion, it's my purpose for being here. Um... It's what I love to do. It's what I would talk about all day. You know, I haven't, I don't talk about it outside of work. Luckily, in work, I get to talk about it most of the day. Um, That kind of gives me my fix. But I'm OCD. Like, I'm constantly learning. I'm not one of those investors that's like, oh, capital growth works. So now I'll just do capital growth for the rest of my life until it doesn't work. You know, I'm not a high risk taker, which means I, you know, avoid the development stuff that a lot of other people decide to take on. And there's so many examples of people over the last five years that have done five developments where if they had just bought one property in Sydney they'd be in a better overall position right now. Um so I think the fact that I'm detailed orientated, I'm very patient now, um, and that I'm I have a very structured way of buying, from identifying markets to identifying suburbs to reviewing suburbs to Identifying quality properties to reviewing those properties, it just makes the process simple and automatic. Um, You know, I can qualify out of suburb in about two minutes, which, you know, people could spend two months looking at before they actually decide to walk away. So, you know, the simple processes that I've set up because I'm so over the top with this stuff and I want to do the right thing by myself and the people that we help has enabled us to just, you know, systemize it down to a point where. You know, it's hard for us to miss something. Now, it's it's very difficult for me to buy the wrong type of property for myself. Um, outside of obviously the whole global market, you know, crashing and burning, which is probably going to happen two or three times during my investment journey, and I just I've had to come to terms with that.
0: Something which Everingham has struggled with in the past, and the mistake he believes many property investors make is to overcomplicate things.
1: A number one reason why I see most investors failing. And that is something that I've done personally. So that's the only reason I can say this. It's not to have a gig at anyone but myself in the past. It's literally people get bored and people want to tinker and people want to overcomplicate very simple things. And people, you know, once you've bought a couple of houses and you know how to do that, then people go, well, I don't want to just buy anymore. I want to do this or I want to do that. And The number one congruent thing that I've seen from talking, because that's the cool thing, I get to have about 700 sessions a year with very sophisticated investors with portfolios of between, you know, three and 30 properties. And from speaking to all these people, once they find a strategy that works, you know, you've got to evolve with the market and the market conditions and different strategies will work at different times. But once they find an approach that works for them, they just rinse and repeat it, but they rinse and repeat it for long enough that it can actually be an effective result where most investors, you know, you talk to people, they buy one house. It's probably a unit or a townhouse. And then they, you know, go and build something because that's a bit newer and more exciting. And then they're looking for a little splitter block or a subdivision. And, you know, it's it's just if, if you don't consistently do one activity over time, then you don't you don't learn enough about that one activity to really refine it and improve it. And so you've got all these people running around looking for splitter blocks where they're only making 8 to, you to know, 12% net returns where had they have just bought high-quality property close to the city done a renovation and added a bedroom or bathroom, they would have added 30% of value. And it's just, it's just crazy how illogical people are and how much their need for change affects their long-term results. And I think you know, that's where most people get it wrong. So many people come to me and they're like, I've just spoken to the he said I need 10 to 20 properties. And I'm like, why? What's your goal? And they're like, 100K per year in passive income. And I'm like, four properties in the next three years, hold them for 15 years and you'll achieve your goal. You know, just simple, man. Just just do that. like, And then focus on having a sick life during that period of time and repaying what debt that you can. and. At the end of it all, renovate a couple and sell them to pay off the other two outright. Like it's it's that simple but people want to make it so much harder than it really is.
0: If you'd like to learn more about his strategy and the mindset behind his success, then here's some information about Everingham's service.
1: Our buyer's agency like everything in my life is simple so 12 months ago, um, I read this amazing article that was sent to me by, by Seth Gooden, um, the legendary marketer in America, and it said at the top of the article, it was, why not be bigger, uh, why be bigger, why not be better? And at the time, we were helping buy around about 15 properties per month. Um, and, you know, just probably on our way at that time to opening a Sydney and a Melbourne office and, you know, becoming one of the big, big boys, if you know what I mean, in this space. Um And then I read that article and literally that day I talked to my wife and I talked to my team and said, let's just focus on being the best and better. And since that day, we've never taken on more than 10 clients a month. And that's meant that we, in previous um, times, we've sold out anywhere between one and five months in advance. But it means that we choose the people that we work with that are culturally aligned. We choose the people that we work with because their strategies are aligned and because you know, I'd actually want to have a drink with those people and actually spend some time with them. Um, and it's completely changed our business and our model from, you know, the whole property industry is bigger, 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 more, more, more where we're just let's get above average returns for our clients. Let's get a aim to get a one or two percent average annual capital gain better than the market average in the state we're buying. Let's get a one or two percent better rental return than the average in the state that we're buying. And let's try and do that consistently for the next 20 or 30 years. Um, And the other thing that we're obsessive about is customer service. So we're by far the most hands-on buyers agency in the industry. And it's really about when you come to us working with me, my sister and my brother directly, there's no one else that you'll ever have a conversation with. We're super hands-on with what we do. And you know, I think that's some of the special sauce that is what Pumped On Property has now become, which is definitely by far one of, um, the agencies in the industry that is trying to do the right thing by people and just you know telling it how it is. It's not you know us taking everybody's money just because they're prepared to give it to us. It's Us helping the right people execute on a strategy and actually create the right strategy before you start you know wasting money and time looking at stuff and buying things.
0: To connect with Everingham, simply visit.
1: Um, they can jump over to www.pumpedonproperty.com or they can just Google Pumped on Property. Um. We do heaps of videos, we run some cool stuff every now and then You know about four webinars a year and we send out a fortnightly newsletter. So if people are interested, just jump over there and check it out and um, you know they can make their own mind up.
0: Thank you to Ben Everingham, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Ben Everingham and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.